Welcome to Housing Developments. I'm Jerry Howard. And I'm Jim Tobin. Welcome. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Jim. Good to be back from IBS, huh? Good. Yeah, I, I, uh, great to be back from IBS. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start off today. Congratulations to you and, and everybody uh, here at NHB. What a, what a fantastic show. It was uh, the, uh, one of the biggest ever just IBS alone. And when you take into account the attendees and exhibitors from other shows, it was by far and away the biggest gathering for the residential construction industry ever. Over 200,000 people. It's really incredible. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, talk talk about the the vibe at the show. Um, you know what what if you walk that you walk the the the, the show aisles. You you, you know, talk to members during the during our, our meetings. What, what what you know impending recession. Uh, you know, doom and gloom, or are the, the mood the mood seemed pretty upbeat. What's what's your thought? Yeah, I agree with you completely. You know, I, I expected everybody to be a little bit cautious about what this year was going to look like, but it was a it was an optimistic mood. Uh, you know, and at first I'm thinking, well, maybe it's just because it's Vegas and cocktails come early out there, right. but <laughs> it consisted. I mean, it continued consistently throughout the entire week. Uh, whenever you talk to builders, they had work um, that they were already doing and work that they were planning on. Uh, people were in a good mood. I, I think the overall sentiment is that uh, the Fed has achieved the soft landing and things are going to be OK. I mean, I got to be honest with you, Jim, even Rob Dietz, the Grim Reaper himself, <laughs> said that he was going to potentially uh, change the uh, his forecast based on the consistent optimism of everybody out in, in in Las Vegas. And when you talk about 200,000 people, I think that's probably a statistically valid uh, <laughs> yeah, even, sample even size. Huh? Yeah, I, yeah I I'm not a statistician, but uh, but yeah, that seems that seems like a representative sample. Um, so so where so where did where does that lead us? Uh, you know, for for those members who are listening who who didn't have a chance to hear Rob at the at the meeting of the members or or get the vibe at IBS, Jerry, Jerry where do you think things go for the end of 23 and what's what's the industry look like? I think Rob's looking for a, a, a little bit of a sluggish start in the spring, picking up in the summer. And at the end of the year, I think we're looking at getting back to normalcy. So for 24, uh, just as the presidential election season kicks off, uh, I think you're looking at a potentially strong housing market. Now, you got to remember all this happened um, before uh, four UFOs were shot down <laughs> over American airspace. Uh, the Chinese threatened to do something about it. Uh, Russia stepped up its invasion in the Ukraine. Geopolitics are going to obviously play a major role in the global economy and therefore the American economy. And we'll have to see how it plays out. But uh, banning a, an invasion from a little green men, I, I think <laughs> guys are optimistic. Yeah, I heard I heard there was a near miss uh, in Phoenix over the weekend that uh, that the Biden had scrambled the Air Force to go after the Goodyear blimp when it was over the Waste Management Phoenix Open. So luckily, we averted uh, disaster there. Um, but so so uh, you know, balloon balloon jokes aside, um, but you talked a little bit about about the economy, um, you, and then you talked about you know twenty twenty four potentially being uh, the uh, uh, the kind of the big the big turnaround. You know, in the presidential year, that's got to bode well for for President Biden if, as expected, he announces for re-election. What's your thoughts? Uh, 
you know, looking forward into the, you know, we come out of the midterms. What's your thoughts looking forward in 2024? Well, it's interesting. Yesterday, you know, his former chief of staff, Ron Kane, came out and uh, like lambasted the Democrats and said, anybody who thinks that there's somebody out there who can beat Donald Trump better have a damn good example, because otherwise Joe Biden's our only hope, sort of like Luke Skywalker, I guess, <laughs> of the Democratic Party. And uh, he came out and said that very, very stridently. Uh, I think I think Biden is going to declare, and I think that Kane stepped aside from his White House job to be the, the campaign messenger. Um, so I, I, I do think that's going to happen. Uh, God knows that there are plenty of Democrats lined up if uh, if he doesn't. But I, I think Biden does. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Uh, is is you know there's times where I thought it it, it seemed improbable just you know given uh, given his age he's 80 years 80 years old uh, that 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 we all we've always talked about presidents aging and in, in you know more, more like dog years than than human years uh, that that that's a tough deal and and you know we, he ran last time in COVID there's a lot of jokes on on late night uh, talk shows about. Uh, him hold up in, in Wilmington and doing Zoom fundraisers and Zoom debates and things like that. Um, he's going to have to get on the road. He's going to have to go to Georgia and, and Arizona and Nevada and Iowa, New Hampshire. Um, that, the, as much as Air Force One is a comfy plane, uh, that still takes a toll on somebody at that age, I would I would think. Uh, I agree with you. And I, I think it's going to be interesting. And, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, there's also been talk of taking Kamala Harris off the ticket, mm. uh, I think that's a kiss of death. Yeah, uh, you, you can't do that uh, under the best of circumstances, let alone uh, with the conditions that he's facing in his uh, re-election bid now. So it'll, I think you're going to have a Biden-Harris ticket. And in the Republican side, uh, you know, we'll see. Trump is campaigning. Um, I got to tell you, the campaign hasn't started as well as I think he would have liked it to have started. You know, I've been, especially out in Nevada, I was looking while we were out there and, and I saw exactly one Trump 24 bumper sticker. Exactly yeah. one. Right. Um, that is, you know, obviously not a scientific survey or anything, but, you know, you, you and I go around in our neighborhoods and count yard signs as you get closer to the election. Uh, I just don't think it's, it's uh, taken off the way former President Trump wants it to. And now Nikki Haley has declared her candidacy. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, she's the she's the first one, and and, and a, a former uh, cabinet member as an ambassador to the UN for 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 President Trump. So, um, you're from South Carolina, you know. What, give us give us your take on on her chances. Well, more than I'm from South Carolina, I have to give the caveat right now. I'm all in uh, for Ambassador Haley's campaign. Uh, I have great respect for her as a former governor of South Carolina. She did a tremendous job uh, handling uh, the economy down there, handling social issues. You may remember uh, she was the one who called for the removal of the Confederate flag from the state capitol down there and was able to pull that off without uh, any great problems occurring. Um, and and her, her experience at the United Nations, I think, is tremendous. Uh, so caveat to everybody, I'm all in for her. I've already been uh, talking to her housing policy people, uh, offering them suggestions. And uh, I'm going to be raising, shameless plug here, Jim, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be raising money uh, for Nikki Haley's campaign. So builders, I'll be calling you. And if not you, your Republican wives 
uh, to see if we can if we can do that. So I, look, she she right now is 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 polling with a whole host of uh, other people as the sort of second tier. Uh, Trump is still number one, and DeSantis is number two. Um, but I think she brings a fresh face. I think she brings a return to um, compassionate conservatism. Uh, and I think that uh, the party should have learned that that's what they need. Um, so we'll see. But DeSantis is still up there. And I know a lot of people are, are very enamored of him right now as well. Yeah. Yeah. And there's rumors he's he's still a few months out from 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 declaring, uh, you know, Tim Scott, uh, senator from South Carolina. The, he, there's there's talk about him jumping in, of course, our, uh, uh, our our good friend Larry Hogan, uh, former former NHB member and former governor of Maryland. Uh, you know, he he's you know on the, definitely the I guess I don't know if you have a moderate wing, but kind of the, the center right uh, portion of the party he's talking about uh, potentially getting in. So I I, I think you know I, I think more it talks about I think President Trump, uh, former President Trump, had hoped that he would have that same effect as a past uh, a past president. That he could clear the field, so to speak, much like Joe Biden it will will do as, as an incumbent president. Uh, but but that you know Nikki Haley certainly the first one to uh, to test that theory. So uh, it's going to be interesting, no doubt about it. Yeah, and you know Jim, I think that a a good full primary uh, for the Republican Party will be a great way to clear the air uh, if they can hold it to talking about ideas and policy discussions rather than attacking each other's personalities i think it'll be good for the country so yeah i agree i think and i think i think there, there's a lot of contrast to be set up between uh, the, the the democratic party and the republican party right now uh you know no 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 different than what we're seeing on, on housing policy so so shifting off politics we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in dc you know one of the you know two two things from the regulatory perspective that we've been we've been working on one is uh, the new the new Biden administration regulation on waters of the U.S. Uh, and then number two, uh, tenant protection, something that you've been involved with in the White House over the last several months in meetings over there uh, finally culminated uh, in some executive action uh, earlier this year. So I'll, I'll ask you, talk a little bit about WOTUS and, and, and what we're doing as an association to, to push back on this on this bad rule. Well, the, the WOTUS rule is just um, it, it's unbelievable, and it it just shows how inconsistent our federal government is right now. The Biden administration wanted to op uh, repeal uh, the Trump administration's repeal of the Obama administration's <laughs> rule on WOTUS, uh, and so they went back farther than the Obama administration in their repeal, uh, making it very much more difficult for our members to comply with waters of the U.S. regulations. And all of that is being done while the Supreme Court is considering a major case that would impact the definition of waters of the U.S. So it's, uh, you know, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. The left hand doesn't know what the far left hand is doing. And nobody knows what the Supreme Court is doing. So we're, we're, we're following it closely. Obviously, we're very displeased with what the administration did. Uh, and we are entering into lawsuits. Uh, Jim Rizzo and his team are already actively engaged, and I know that there'll be a lot of uh, uh, talk, potentially action, um, by re Republican attorneys general in their states uh, bringing suit against this. But all of that could be moot, depending on what the Supreme Court does. That's right. And ultimately, the Supreme Court is going to say 
to Congress. Here's a novel idea, Congress. Do your job. That's right. That's right. Well, we had, you know, we had a, 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 our chair, chairman, Alicia Huey, was in town first week right out of IBS. Uh, we had her up on Capitol Hill testifying on, on the waters of the U.S. issue. And, you know, her, her first message was was no, no, no WOTUS before SCOTUS, meaning don't promulgate a rule before we know what the Supreme Court's going to going to say. But but more importantly, you know, the, the Congress, just like you said, Congress needs to act here. Uh, and and if, if you want clarity uh, in law, and we've talked about this a long time, dur durable legislation uh, that, that cannot be misinterpreted by the, the faceless bureaucrats, uh, that's that's the only way forward here. Uh, so we're uh, we're eagerly, eagerly awaiting the Supreme Court case because that's going to reset this whole, whole debate again. Yeah, I, I hope it comes out. So the sooner the better for, from our perspective, because even though this Congress is uh, probably too uh, partisan, um, it, it's too tight for either party to get their way and get anything done. I, I do think it's important um, that we get a decision out there, if nothing else, so that it can be made in an election year issue. Uh, right. And we can really get people on record for, for how they feel. You know, but you were also talking about the, 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 the president's tenant protection uh, efforts. It's been very interesting. And I've said this uh, many times at the IBS, but some of the listeners weren't there. Uh, I've been at the White House a couple of times uh, in the last quarter of uh, 2022, and I have to tell you, it was disappointing. Um, when they talk about housing affordability and affordable housing, and finally we've gotten people to understand the distinction between the two, but when they talk about it over there, they immediately think of affordable housing, which is to say subsidized, very low income uh, housing. That's where they want to go. That's what they're looking at. Uh, and instead of looking at freeing things up so that we could build more housing and let the market recover itself, they're taking a much more hands-on big government approach. Uh, and that big government approach is being now wrapped in this uh, gift wrap of tenant protections, where they're going to mandate the relationship between a landlords and tenants despite whatever contracts may be out there in terms of rental agreements, and despite um, what's going on on the ground. Now, they didn't, and they, they haven't yet come up with mandated rent control, but they're right at the doorstep of that. And in fact, they probably have their hand on the doorknob. It's something that we're going to have to watch very, very closely for our multifamily contingent. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I, like you said, they stopped short of of rent control yet. Uh, I, I do think that they they've tasked a couple of federal agencies, you know, I, I, to to take a look at uh, practices of landlords, and I think that's that's designed to build a case uh, to to eventually uh, issue an executive order or or force uh, HUD or FHFA uh, into a into a space uh, where they're going to be. Uh, putting nationwide rent control out there, uh, but again, this is just another another example of um, what I believe is government in, government inaction on housing policy has caused the supply chain issues. Number one, number two, the big government solution is to put in artificial uh, price caps uh, on 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 you know small businessmen and women who are trying to manage their properties and provide a service for people, um, and yet we're, we're not solving the problem, which is build more housing, plain and simple. I think you're exactly right. And now to add insult to injury, I understand that they're issuing an edict today that's going to require 
any project that has federal funding tied to it to have um, electric vehicle charging stations. So let's just add to the cost. Right. Uh, by all means, we should do that. And uh, it, it, it just shows, uh, it shows a lack of understanding that only is superseded by the comments of uh, Labor, or I'm sorry, Transportation Secretary Buttigieg yesterday, when he started talking about how when you go to construction projects, none of the workers doing the good high paying jobs look like the people in the neighborhoods. To play the race card on the construction labor issue is not only to me appalling, it shows a complete lack of knowledge of the facts. Right. We have over 400,000 open jobs in the residential sector alone. We have to fill three quarters of a million jobs a year just to cover the churning construction. Mr. Secretary, if you're listening, let me tell you, speaking for the residential sector, if people of any color, race, creed or religion want to work in the construction sector, we'll train them, we'll give them jobs. Please stop trying to create a racial problem where there isn't one. Right. Yeah. Well said. Well said. I don't even know. I don't even I, I, that, That's probably the perfect note to perfect note to end on. But um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, between IBS, uh, what we're working on, on on the regulatory side, and so whether it's on codes or, or housing policy, it's uh, it's it's busy times here in Washington, uh, and uh, we're 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 got our 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 fingers firmly on the pulse of of everything that's going on. Exactly. So yeah, thanks for uh, for changing the subject because my blood pressure <laughs> was getting a little high there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You can get off your your uh, podcast soapbox now. Um, well, uh, well, for, well, I will, I say we end there uh, until our, our next uh, our next conversation. All right, good enough. Yeah. Th thank you everybody for listening. I'm Jerry Howard. And I'm Jim Tobin. Bye. Mm -hmm.